0: Welcome to the Learning Capacity Podcast, where we explore stories from around the world. We hear from educators, parents, students, entrepreneurs, and scientists about innovations that help make learning easier and more successful. I'm your host, Peter Barnes. What's an individual learning plan? Sometimes they're known as individual education plans, and they go by the acronyms of ILP or IEP, depending on what part of the world you're in and what school you are in. Uh, And what are they for? Who are they for? How do they work? Who develops them? What are they designed to do? How do parents get the best out of their child's individual learning plan? So for the answers to these and some other questions, I spoke to tutor and former teacher Anne-Marie Hagan. Anne-Marie works with many students and their families who have benefited from individual learning plans, and we recorded the discussion, and it's now published as an episode on the Learning Capacity podcast. Hello, Anne-Marie. Great to have you back on the podcast. A little, little time ago, you uh, spoke to us about the importance of family engagement in the learning process, and um, today we're going to talk about something called ILPs or IEPs or um, some variation of that. So what's an ILP? What's an IEP? And what's it mean? Tell us about it, please.
1: (laughs) Okay, thank you, Peter. So essentially they are the same thing, depending on your state, country, school to school, they will call them different things. But an ILP is an Individual Learning Plan. Um, and they are designed to support students with um, additional needs uh, or learning difficulties so that they can participate effectively in the classroom and in the curriculum.
0: So who, who, so who what, sorry, who, 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 mm-hmm. who designs the the ILP?
1: Okay, so the ILP is designed in, it's, part of the team. So you've got the teacher, the parent, um, and where appropriate, the child is involved in developing that. You may also include, and this is something that, um, you know, less of my parents may know about, is you would include other health practitioners, anyone that is involved in working with your child, so whether that be speech pathologists, OTs, uh, psychologists, psychologists. You know, it could even be an outside tutor, someone that is supporting your child. So the more inputs that they have towards the same goal, the better resourced um, we become to actually have that child achieve those goals.
0: And what, are we talking only primary school students here? No,
1: so these are um, throughout their school career, so all the way through primary um, through to high school through the secondary years and what we are looking at is really developing um, some very clear goals for the student so for me what I wanted to I guess really share with your listeners um, is what makes a really good individual learning plan and how and for parents how to get the most out of them because we as parents you you may have 15-20 minutes in that meeting with a teacher, um, and perhaps even with support staff at the school, how to make the most of that and and how you can really benefit in that sort of really small pocket or window of time.
0: Excellent. That'll be very useful, I'm sure. But before you get to that, can you just clarify for me one little thing? Is, Is the IEP initiated by the parent requesting the school to... Do one, or is it generally the school going? Ah, oh, I think this student needs an individual learning plan.
1: In my experience, it is usually the school. Um, now, there some pros and cons to that. We the school is there to support your child. Um, sometimes, however, your child may be significantly, uh, we'll say, below where we want them to be at a particular level, and. You know, the school at times they go, oh, look, they're okay, or they'll catch up. Um, your child may be very good at disguising that they are having troubles at school. Um, and that's where I think it's really, really important for parents to advocate for their children and have parents ask questions and ask the school, ask their teachers, what can we do to help? So I've noticed this is what I'm seeing. Um, do you see this at school as well? I think that, you know, my child would really benefit from having an individual learning plan so that we can track and monitor their progress more
0: closely. Uh, So a parent will be aware that an educational, uh, an ILP is being proposed or being developed. Um, Yes. it, It won't come out of the blue probably. Is that correct?
1: Mm. No, no, I mm. think, and I think that's um, consistent across the board. There really shouldn't be any surprises when it comes to your child's education. You know, you should be having that regular contact with the teacher and you should know. So, you know, if a parent was approached that, oh, your child needs an individual learning plan and they've got nothing before that, um, to me that would raise alarm bells because the parent should have received some communication from that child's teacher previously. Okay to alert them that the child is having
0: difficulties. Okay, good. So you're, you're now going to tell um, tell us how parents can make the most of this.
1: Yes. Okay. So I think the key thing is to be prepared and really know, look, know your child, know what you want to get out of it. Um, and I think before going into any meeting, we need to have a list of questions, a list of goals, um, a list of suggestions so that we keep on track as the parent it is really difficult to go into the um, ilp meetings where you know there may be one parent and there may be three or other three or four other teaching staff you know it could be the principal it could be the assistant principal the head of um the learning uh, learning specialist, um, I'm losing my word, sorry. Learning, learning support, you're probably looking learning for. Learning my... support teacher, yeah. thank you. <laughs> um, it may be the learning support staff. So that can be quite intimidating for a parent, particularly if they are not familiar with the process um, or familiar with, you know, the sorts of things that their child should and should not be able to do at this particular point in time. So they may choose to take an advocate with them and that may be a family friend, it may be the psychologist, it may be their tutor, whomever it is, um, just to keep things on track. So I think um, the main thing, and I guess, or, or one of the myths out there that's pretty common is that not, you know, my child will only need an ILP if they have a diagnosed learning difficulty or if they have a diagnosed medical condition. And one thing that I'd really like to bring, uh, draw attention to your listeners is that the Disability Discrimination Act um, and the Disability Standards for Education Act um, will say that to optimise the outcomes for students with diverse learning needs, they need to have learning experiences and assessment that is designed flexibly and inclusively throughout um, a collaborative process between the school and the specialist staff. We need to look at assessment techniques and conditions um, that are carefully considered and that in, to ensure that the integrity of the learning um, area content is retained. So it's not just about providing evidence of adjustments um, and ensuring that they are recorded and regularly reviewed, um, but I think they really need to be aware that your child does not need to have a diagnosis or you don't need to wait, you know, a couple of years until you know, perhaps you think your child may be dyslexic. Um, if there is a perceived learning need or if there is something that we can see is making learning difficult for your child, you know, we need to have a look at that ILP happening sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um and I think that's that's key because I speak to many parents and they say, well, I don't need an ILP because I don't have, there's no diagnosis. Right, um, right. So, yeah, but you don't want to wait to receive the support, um, you know, because the diagnosis may take, you know, 12, 24 months. It can take a really long time.
0: Right. So are those parents who are saying that, are they parents who have been told by the school that they're considering an ILP? or?
1: I would hope not. I think if they spoke to the school directly, most schools would would take that on board and say yes. Um, If the school was to come back and say we don't need to provide an ILP um, because you don't have a diagnosis, that's when I would refer those parents back to um, looking at the areas around inclusive classrooms and certainly back to... The Disability Discrimination Act and the Disability Standards for Education, um, and can provide them with materials to support their case when speaking to their child's school about
0: that. Right. So, can I ask you a question then about the role of tutors in this? It sounds to me, and tell me if I'm not not right Mm -hmm. here, that you, because you're seeing children who are behind where they should be in their learning or they're having some particular difficulty with learning, you're spotting yes. spotting children in there who could benefit from an ILP and you're suggesting to the parent that's the case. Is that yes. is that what a tutor?
1: Absolutely.
0: So that's what you do yes. as a tutor, and presumably other tutors do that. Hmm? Absolutely, mm-hmm. yes. Okay. Okay. And so what proportion of the children you're seeing would have an ILP?
1: Uh... I would say less than, less than half. Um, although, having said that, many of them would benefit. So there would be some students that I would consider should have an ILP that don't for one mm-hmm. reason or another, and whether that's because the parents haven't asked, whether it's that the school is no, we'll, we'll just see how they go. They'll catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you know it really is. This is where educating the parents about their rights and. What they are able to, um, I guess, able to ask for that's reasonable, is really really important. Um,
0: so this is really really a heads up for parents. So if, yes. if if the parent has a child that they're concerned about their learning progress, uh, yes. the question of ILP should be something potentially to be discussed. Does that yes take away? From so I you? think.
1: Yeah, I think certainly they should be discussing it. Now um, yeah, there may be some sort of you know stigma around that. Oh, if my child's and I okay, they need help. I you know, and, and they may have issues around that that they need to deal with before approaching the school. Um, but typically, the children who have them they may have some sort of neurodiversity, whether that be ASD, ADHD, ADD, um, or anxiety, depression. Um, some children have OCD or it may even be around their physical conditions or their mobility so things like cere- uh, cerebral palsy um, so we're looking at ways that these children can access the curriculum in the same way as their peers okay or to the same level so they may be accessing the curriculum differently but they are still capable um, one thing I see a little more often than I would like is when teachers will um, work with children um, you know, who have some, you know, have some sort of learning difficulty, and they will say, "Oh well, we'll set the goal here or we'll set the standard here because that child has whatever learning condition." You can insert that here, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's that troubles me because. Despite the fact whatever learning condition they have, they can still learn and they can still progress and we shouldn't be capping their potential um, because they now have that label.
0: Okay. So let's say I'm a parent. I have a child with a learning difficulty and mm-hmm. I, my, my belief is that um, I need to get this child some tutoring. So I go find a good tutor. Let's say I go find you. And um, isn't that enough? What 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 extra is the ILP going to do for this for my child?
1: I think what it does, it provides a level of accountability between the school and the parents, and it also opens up an extra level of communication between all the parties involved um, in helping the child succeed. So when you have one, you know, it's I think the children that I work with that have one, um, I can think of one in particular, they brought home their ILP and they, so, you know, we were reviewing that. Um, and we could say, okay, well, these are the goals at the school. We can work on those goals too. So now suddenly there's not just the school working on it, the parents are working on it, the external providers, tutors, OTs, speeches, whoever it is, they are also working on it. Now, when you have now suddenly created this team, with a common goal, the child is far more likely to succeed. And I think that's where the value of them really come in. Um, and it's really lovely to then go in and, and meet with some of these teachers um, and parents and be part of these meetings and have them say, wow, you know, we never expected that goal would be achieved so quickly. And they were achieved quickly because everyone was on board.
0: Makes makes sense. So one of the, one of the things you've just said there is that, when there is an IOP everyone needs to be involved parents, tutors, if there's a tutor, the specialists like the speech pathologists and the OTs or the um, paediatrician who's dealing with ADHD whatever it is, everyone needs to be involved yes? Yes, Mm -hmm. absolutely Okay. Um, and
1: on that I mean, from the school side of things, when they have those things put in place, so if they have an IRP in place um, for a student who does not yet have a diagnosis, that will then actually provide supporting evidence of what they are doing to help this child, you know, down the track if a diagnosis is sought. Um, And it will also provide assistance for them for their own school funding, because they do receive funding for children um, who have got additional needs and learning difficulties. So it can also
0: benefit the school as well. So are you, are you saying that this, this is related to NDIS?
1: Well, certainly that's one aspect, but there are a number of buckets out there that the government and schools can draw upon um, when funding students, particularly who have learning difficulties, or some sort of disability
0: right. that's going to,
1: you know, make their time at school, oh. you know, or make learning trickier. Um,
0: <laughs> just for our audience who may not know what NDIS is, National the Australian National Disability Insurance Scheme, is that correct? That's correct, yes. Okay. So just a question, <laughs> the individual education plan, the individual learning plan. Does that help a student say at the end of secondary school, some students apply for special support, uh special assistance when they're doing their final year 12 exam?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool? Yeah. So there is a number of supports and um, and this is something that I will recommend to a number of people that if they may not feel that they need the supports right now, maybe they're sort of going, okay, and it might be year eight, it might be year nine. But if they want those supports in place or if they want those extra accommodations in Year 12, um, you know, and that may be extra time on exams or it may be someone scribing for them in an exam or, you know, some use of assistive technology. Now, they are not going to get those supports unless they have seen that they have been that support has been in place for a period of time before Year 12. So it's so, really important to get those things happening early.
0: Well, does it need to be in place early and continuously right up to that point of uh, asking for special assistance, et cetera? Yes. 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 Okay, so it's no good just getting it for Year 8, eight and 9 and then dropping it? No, absolutely
1: no. not because if they need it in Year 8 and 9, they're going to need it in Year 10. And if they feel they don't need it, it will still benefit them.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: so Would things it? like using the C-Pen, um you know, or speech-to-text technology, that's something that will help them throughout the entire course of their
0: school schooling mm-hmm. career. Good advice, really good advice. I've learnt a lot from you in this discussion and I know there will be parents out there who understand this, but there, I'm sure there are a lot of parents who this is sort of fairly um, new information. So thank you very much for that. What else, is there anything else impo- uh, that you would like to tell parents about this? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I think when they get um, their IRPs, they're really happy and they think, oh, great, things are moving along. And I think it's really important to work with the school and work with the teacher writing the individual learning plans because a lot of them that I see, um, the goals that are set, they're there, but they're not measurable. So, you know, for example, a goal that might be set would be, I want so-and-so to be spelling um 70% of their spelling words accurately, you know, in their writing. Um, and that may be a good goal, but how is that actually going to be measured? Are you going to get all of their writing and go through it and measurable is it 70%? Um, it needs to be realistic and it needs to be clearly defined. So we need to know right this is what the goal is. We need to know the very clear steps of what we're going to do to get there and how this can be measured and um, to determine whether it's been a success or not um, other things that come up with clients of mine may be uh items on the ilp they may be say, oh your child needs to work on um you know whatever it may be and the parent says that's never been mentioned before now that would alarm me greatly because If it hasn't been mentioned previously but suddenly it's been put on an ILP and the parents asked to sign it and that's the first thing that, you know, that's the first time that they knew that there was even an issue um, that needs to be reviewed. And sometimes I, I encourage parents to ask to see the data that the ILP is based on. So many schools out there at the moment are using leveled readers and they might say, well, at the end of the year I want my, this particular child to be on level 23 with reading comprehension. And you go, okay, well, that's fantastic. Ask the question, where is the child now? Um, I've seen ILPs come back and, you know, the goal is to hit level 23 and you ask where the child is currently and they're currently on level 26. Oh, and, what? And, it, and it raises some questions.
0: Mm, um, mm.
1: So you, you need to ask to see the data, how, ask how it's being assessed um, and asked to be kept in the loop with that because I think the more accountability that we all have to do the things that we say that we're going to do, the better off the student will be.
0: Here's a question for you If mm-hmm. I'm a parent and I'm getting involved in this process, the school is, I've been concerned about my child, I've been talking to the school, the school suggests an ILP. Um, is it possible to get someone like you, a former teacher, uh, expert tutor, etc., to mm-hmm. represent me or assist me in that meeting?
1: Absolutely. And that's the, the role of an advocate. And that is something that I do. Um, and I think it's really important that everyone is on board beforehand and knows that this person is attending and what their role in the meeting will be. Mm-hmm. So I have attended some where, you know, it's been really, really productive. Everyone has been on the same page. Having an agenda before the meeting is really important mm. because it keeps everyone on track. Mm. Um, you know, it avoids the scenario. Um, I know I've had one where I went into a school and rather than focusing on the child, the school was more concerned about how I was teaching and my knowledge of current teaching practices mm. um, than what the child was doing. I was, well, hang on a second, let's let let's come back to what the child is doing. Um you know, we can, we can talk about that at a later stage, but right now we've got 15 minutes to focus on this child and it's about bringing it back in. So having a clear agenda beforehand, I think that's key. Um, many parents will turn up to these meetings, be given a bit of information in front of them and they, they talk through all of the information very quickly in that time slot and then asked to sign something um, before having an opportunity to take the information in, so I really do believe that it's best practice for teachers to provide um, an outline or a draft of what they're suggesting is on the ILP. Provide an outline for the meeting several days before it actually takes place, and that it provides an opportunity for those people to, who are attending to digest the information and to ensure that that meeting is uh, constructive and beneficial. And, and that they you know make the points that they need to in that time and it really I think doing that um, some people say oh but won't that take up more time it actually saves an enormous amount of toing and throwing after the meeting mm. because parents will more away and say, well actually no these goals don't match or you know I have questions about this and I have questions about that because they just didn't have the time to process when it was initially put in front of them so provide. You know, I strongly suggest to all the teachers out there, please provide those IRPs to your parents before the meeting. Give them some time to process and allow them, you know, and then tell them this is the data that I will be bringing. And then parents, you need to really take the time to read that um, and ask questions before the meeting. Hey, would it be okay? Can you bring a copy of their last um, running record if that's what they're doing? Or could you provide a copy of um, their last assessment you know, and that way, that can be viewed, and we have tangible data in that meeting to look at.
0: I can understand why why some teachers may think that because they're the education expert, that what they're prescribing in the ILP is what it is, and the, the parents really should take it or leave it. <laughs> That's probably too no, hard. For sure, for sure. Yeah. And
1: look, in defence, um, you know, of teachers having been there. You know, at university, going back um, to when I was studying, I do not remember, and I think I was fairly, you know, I paid a lot of attention in my education degree, um, but there was no training on how to deliver an, an individual learning plan, certainly, or even how to write one. Um, on teaching rounds, we would sit in and sort of watch um, what other people had done. But then these teachers will only be as good as what they have seen. Um, and sometimes, you know, there are all there's always ways that we can improve the process and streamline it to make it more efficient um, and to give everyone a voice in that meeting. So I certainly would urge them to get the information out there in writing beforehand um, because it it really will save you a lot of time in additional meetings, phone calls, catch-ups afterwards if the parent doesn't agree with what's written on the piece of paper.
0: And if I they don't agree, say, and if they don't agree, then presumably the ILP will not have the the desired effect.
1: Not exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. If, because if there is that disagreement in what the goals should be um, and what's relevant, if everyone is not on that same page, what's going to occur is the parent will become disengaged. Mm-hmm. Um, the teacher's going to be frustrated, and it just causes a rift between. You know, it, it's making achieving that goal harder and harder because it's breaking down uh, communication between all parties rather than creating that open space which you know allows for free discussion
0: so ilp sounds like a pretty complex thing <laughs> but if it's done right if, can be really if it's really done helpful hard,
1: it can be amazing mm-hmm. um, and really beneficial and you know, it's quite interesting. I think it's it's okay for teachers to say, look, we're not sure what to do here. Um, I remember one student that I worked with many years ago in the classroom. Um, it was a year four class. I had I invited his parents in. He was not on an individual learning plan. And I said, look, I'm really sorry, but I don't know how to teach your child. I have tried X, Y and Z. Um, I'm not quite sure what it is. Knowing what I know now, I can sort of look back and go, oh, yeah, I think mm. hear that but we're not, um, as classroom teachers, we're not all provided with the training on the many learning difficulties that there are out there, um, or that you know. So we, they may not be able to always identify what is going on, and sure. that's okay. Yeah,
0: sure. I mean, I think classroom teachers get a bad, bad rap. They you absolutely. Know. Do. Uh, they, 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 there's so much expected of them. Uh, there's so many competing. Uh, influences and demands, and they can't know everything about everything.
1: Um, Absolutely.
0: But it's it's nice to know that there are people uh, like you, former teacher, out there um, in the tutoring world who has obviously had quite a lot of experience with ILPs, and I'm sure that our listeners today will have uh, got a lot of um, useful information and advice from our talk.
1: Absolutely, and I just want to say on that with the teachers, I think it's so important that we we do value them and we do thank them, because I do not know a single teacher out there who doesn't want what's best for the kids. Um, and I think we just need to remember that everyone's doing the best that they can. um and we do really need to take the time to say thanks.
0: Thanks, teachers. And thank you. Thank
1: you. And <laughs>
0: <laughs> thanks very much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Learning Capacity Podcast, brought to you by LearnFastHQ.com, delivering the world's best evidence-based solutions for learning since 1999. Head over to our website to read a transcript of the podcast. Go to LearnFastHQ.com, that's L-E-A-R-N-F-A-S-T-H-Q.com, and click on Podcast in the menu at the top of the page. And don't forget to subscribe in your listening app so you don't miss hearing any of the interesting discussions about learning, teaching and education.